So we've been doing a series called The Me I Want to Be. And uh, I brought some friends today. These are my perfect kind of friends. They listen to me. They don't talk back. We had some good conversations this week. And uh, so they're going to help me preach today. And uh, we're going to talk about their, how there's a battle in our lives. And, and we fight a little bit on the different me's that we want to be. How many kind of wrestle between the me you want to be? And, and there's other voices in your head and other voices in your life that want to speak into your life and tell you the me that you should be when there's really only one that me that you're created to be by our creator, our Lord and our Savior. And, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Last week, Bishop continued our series. He did a great job. It was great to have him in the house. And the first two weeks when I was doing this series, we... We talked about the me I wanted to be out of John 14, 16 through 17. And I'm going to read that real quick to you. And it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. Say that to your neighbor, all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. And doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. And later will be in you. Look to your neighbor and say, I hope he's in you. There, there, there's something about knowing that the presence of God is always with you. Being aware that everywhere you go in life, the Lord is there. In fact, it says, for those who fear him, angels cover them. If we could just get a grasp, if we could just open our eyes and, and see into the dimension that we quite often don't operate in, and, and actually see into the spiritual and what's happening around us at all times, we'd be in amazement. Of, of how God is actually with us. His presence is always there. You can wake up in the middle of the night, like I quite often do at my age. And, and you have to make one of those bathroom trips right in the middle of the night. And you go to the bathroom, and, and, and you walk around the house, and you hear these sounds. And like, what is that? Do I need to grab my gun? But I, I don't get scared no more, because I know no matter what happens in my house, in my life, is always the presence of God. He said, be aware. Jesus said, I'm going, but he's with you always. The Holy Spirit walks with you. He talks with you. He's in you. That's the me I want to be. And then we talked about how in order to me, we want to want to be, in order for his presence to be in us, we have to surrender to him everything that we have. We have to give it all to him. The deal is we, we ask Jesus to come rule and reign in our lives, but we won't give him everything. Well, there's a couple of things I just want to hold on to because I'm bitter or I'm mad and I just, I, you just don't understand. I don't want to get over that right now. You just don't understand. I want, I want to hold on to that. I don't, I don't want to forgive that person. You'll never be the person God created you to be when you hold on to stuff. 
You have to surrender it. You have to let go of it. You have to give it all to him. But you understand, that, that, that person did this to my, my little one, or this person did this, or this person did that. And we just try to hold on to that stuff and just, just harbor that stuff. And, and we wonder why we can't walk in peace and, and we can't be what God called us to be. It's because we refuse to totally surrender. We have so many concepts of who we want to be, so many ideas and ideals of, of what we should be, what we should do. But if we're, we're not careful, we get so caught up in things and what we should do and, and how we should do it that one day when we accomplish all of this stuff, we look back and realize it was actually keeping us from being the me that we should be. It, it's actually... It, and then when, when, when we achieve it, it comes at a cost. The cost of the person that we actually should be. It, it comes at a cost. We, we want all this stuff, and we, we think about it constantly, and, and we, we dwell on it constantly. Like, if I just had a new truck, or if I just had this in my life, or if I just had the perfect house, if I just had this stuff, I had somebody ask me today, Pastor, when are you going to your, build your house or buy a house? And I'm like, well, you know, it's going to happen. I, I'm really not concerned with that. There, there's more important things on my plate. Yes, it's going to happen. I've done all this stuff to make it happen. And, and it's going to happen soon. But if it takes a week or two longer, it's okay. I, I'm not worried about that because there's more important things that I, I'm concerned with. In my life, and I don't want to look back and I've built this house or I'd bought this car or I'd built this life that was totally not what God wanted me to be. I'd rather stay in His presence and and dwell on the things of the Lord than to dwell on the things that really don't matter in life. Have you ever accomplished something but didn't feel that? that satisfaction that you thought you'd expect? You ever do something and you just wonder, I, I thought it was going to feel different. I thought it was going to look different. And I just didn't plan it out well. Or, or it's kind of like when you go to the movies and they've been hyping up this movie forever, how good it's going to be, how great it's going to be. And you got on Fandango or whatever those websites are, and you bought your tickets a month ahead of time. And you've had your tickets, and they're reserved. And you get in there, and you've got your popcorn ready, and you've got your Coke ready, and you've planned out all these details around this one movie because it's just going to be so great. And then the movie starts. I mean, there's all these great trailers that come before, and you're like, can't wait to see that one, and I can't wait to see that one, and I can't wait for the new Star Wars to come out. But this movie today is just going to be awesome. And it starts, and you watch the whole movie, and you just leave feeling like, ah, that was $62 billion worth of waste by Hollywood. <laughs> or, or, or you see a sign, new restaurant coming soon. 
And you're like, yes, Angleton needs a new restaurant. And then you find out it's another Mexican restaurant. <laughs> I love Mexican food, but we got 22 of them. We need a Cheddar's or an Olive Garden or something different. And yeah, we can applaud that. And, and so, or, or, or the hype comes up and it's a new restaurant and something you've never heard of and you just... You've heard it's great, and you just can't wait to get there, and you make reservations, and you go, and you show up, and you pay all the money for your meal, and they deliver it right to in front of you, and like, oh, man, it looks good, and then it tastes like rubber, and you're like, really? I mean, we had one of those come and go here not too, not too recently, and I went and ate, and I got the fish, and you ever had soggy fish? It's not a good experience. It was soggy, and so I sent it back, and I got a steak, and they gave me like four slivers of meat that was already cut up. And I'm like, this isn't the steak I was thinking. You didn't have to cut it for me. I'm a grown boy. Give me my knife. I know you're trying to be fancy, but it's dried out now, and it's cold. And, and so we, we do all this stuff expecting stuff to be the grandest and the greatest, but but in turn, it just turns out to be a flop. And we, we spend all this time and energy excited about it and making reservations and, and doing all this stuff. And in the end, none of it really made that much of a difference in our lives. None of it made an impact in our lives. And so I want to ask you three important questions today. Are you who you want to be? It's a real easy question. Another question, who are you trying to be? Number three, are you making excuses for who you are? In other words, here, here's an example of that is, I'm, Pastor, I'm really doing my, the best I can do. You just don't understand. I, I, I'm doing my best. It, I, just, I just feel like a failure. And, you know, I, I'm, I really am trying. Anybody ever feel like you're just really trying? Am I the only one? Okay, I mean, it's okay to raise your hand on this. You just, I'm just really trying, but I just don't feel like it, it, I'm going nowhere this week. You ever feel like you're, you're, you're running, but you're in place? And it's like you're stuck on a treadmill in life. And you're like, I ain't on the treadmill. I'm in real life, and I'm running as hard as I can. And I've done broken a sweat. That means I took three steps. And, and, and it's, it's tough, but you just don't feel like you're going anywhere, you know? I went and did my physical one time, and I passed with flying colors, but they put me on the treadmill, you know. And so we're going to work up your heart rate. I said, well, that'd be 10 seconds. <laughs> it actually took longer than I thought. I was in better shape than I thought I was. I felt sorry for the treadmill, though. Proverbs eleven twenty eight, open with me. It says, a life devoted to things is a dead life. In fact, it says a stump. But a God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. Anybody got a stump in their yard? Ever had a stump in your yard? You ever kick that stump? <laughs> Chasing things is like having a stump in your yard. We're, we're trying to, a life devoted to things is a dead life. There's no growth that comes out of a stump. And now there was this one time I had this cottonwood tree in my yard and I cut it down and jokers started growing back up through the center and I cut it down again, sprayed some stuff on it. But 
But mostly, once, a, once, once something is a stump, it, there's no life in it anymore. And even if it does have something that springs out or, or shoots out of it, it'll never be what it was intended to be. See, that stump was intended to be a, a tree, a flourishing tree that, that looks good, that, 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 that is living up to all that it was created to be with branches and with leaves and with, with just beautiful. In fact, when I, I look at property, I don't know about you, but when I look to buy property uh, to build a house, I, I look for some with trees because you can plant a tree, but there's something about planting a small, little, poor, pathetic Charlie Brown Christmas tree in your yard and having a massive oak tree that's a thousand years old with, with branches that go for 50 to 100 feet long. There's, there's just a difference between the two. And it, it's a clear difference that you can see. And the scripture saying when our, our life becomes all about things, it's like a stump. The hope of growth, the hope of being what you, you always wanted to be is, is not there. Because we, we went down a wrong path. We've done something wrong or something. We've, we've went down the wrong turn in life. And it's not what God created us to be. We're not growing. We're not producing fruit or shade. We're kind of like a stagnant pool that, 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 that has no life in it. God called us to have life. He calls you to have life. He wants you to have life and have it more abundantly. There's times in my life, I'm going to be honest, I don't feel like it's abundant. It doesn't feel like it's great. And I know that if I need fullness in my joy in my life, it's time that I need to get into the presence of God once again in my life. Because in His presence, there's fullness of joy. But a God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. It's producing, it's reproducing, it's growing, it's bearing fruit. It gives shade to others. Believe me, others in your life know if you're a stump, or they know if you're a flourishing tree. They can tell the difference. Because a, a stump gives no benefit to anyone unless you just want to sit there and, and take a nap and not move forward in life. But, but a shade gives you a place of rest. It, it gives you the, the flourishing tree you can lean against, you can get shade from. A stump's going to leave you right in the sun. It's going to burn you in the long run. That's what stumps do in your life. They're going to be full of, of ants because there's no life and they're, they're eating them and they're, they're making a home in them and they're going to have termites and things that, that, that just suck the life out of them. That's, that's what happens to stumps. But flourishing trees, they have life in them. The birds dwell in them. They produce fruit. They produce nuts. They, they produce acorns. They, they produce stuff that has substance in life. That's what a flourishing tree does. God designed you to flourish. He doesn't want you to suffer like you've been suffering. He doesn't want you to have to live the way you've been living. He's designed us to conquer. He's designed us to be victorious. He's designed us to walk and look different than everything else. In fact, God created you a masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Did you catch that? Long ago? The good things He planned for you long ago. 
There's been good things in the good things in your path all the days of your life. They're just waiting on you. They're waiting on you to become the masterpiece that God has created. A masterpiece is a work done with extraordinary skill, especially a supreme intellectual or artistic achievement. Masterpieces are rare. They're extremely valuable. They excel in quality, beauty, and perfection. Michelangelo's David's is one of the most celebrated masterpieces in the history of time. In 1501, Michelangelo began with a huge block of marble weighing more than six tons. A big slab of marble. A big block. You know some blocks in your life? They just need a little sculpting. The, the, the problem is, to get to the me we want to be, sometimes there has to be some chiseling away. Sometimes there has to be some polishing. Michael Angelo, for two years, he chipped away at six tons of marble. For two years, he polished. For two years, he buffed. For two years, he backed up. And he looked and says, no, it needs this. And he walked over and chiseled a little bit more. It's what God wants to do in our lives. You are created a masterpiece. And we walk in his presence and we're aware that he's there all the time. And we allow him to shape us and to mold us and to sculpt us. We become the me we want to be. Every day he is chiseling. Every day he is carving. Every day we think, well, I'm going through this. And God said, yeah, you're going through that. But if you walk with me through it, when you come through the other side, you're going to be more like the masterpiece that I created you to be. You just got to be willing to go through it with me. The problem is we complain when we go through stuff. We, we, we don't want to go through it. We don't want this to happen. We don't realize it's just the hand of the master allowing us to walk through valleys so that we can go to the mountaintop. Every now and then, we get a glimpse of the person we were made to be. You ever done something and just said, man, I like that me. I, I liked what I just did there. You ever, you ever done that? I've done that in my life. You, you get up and you make a speech and you're like, man, I, I did really good today on that. And then there's other times you're like, well, I didn't do so good on that. But, but you get little glimpses walking through life of the, the me you really want to be. Like when you fall in love or you show compassion or you stand up for yourself or you freely make a sacrificial gift or you helped an orphan or you helped a homeless person or you did this and you back up just like the master does. And you backed up and you looked at the artwork that you'd done for the day and you said, man, I did really good today. I, I, really, I, really, I really like that me. And you get little glimpses of the me you want to be. You get lost in a piece of music. And my question is, does it surprise you when you see that version of you? Do you get excited when you see that version of you? Do you, do you dwell on, man, what if I was like that all the time? And you get that little glimpse of the me that God wants you to be, and you say, it's like, but I don't know if I can be that all the time. And God says, yes, you can. I created you to be a masterpiece all the time. I created you to do the right things all the time. How would it be if that version of you showed up every single day? Wouldn't it be different? Not just once in a while or at church on Sunday, 
But every day of the week, the best version of you showed up. Paul said that God designed us. He made us. He planned us. He made us masterpieces. Say that with me. I'm God's masterpiece. The problem is we wake up in the morning and we we walk up to the mirror and we look in the mirror and most of the time we're not happy with what we see. And we look in the mirror and when I look in the mirror first thing in the morning, I say, oh boy, you're a hot mess. My hair, I do not sleep well. My hair is like, I mean, I naturally, sometimes I wake up with a natural mohawk in the morning. I said, well, you look like a punk this morning. And, and so, and so I comb it. And I, I'm working on me, myself, trying to do everything myself and realizing that I got to see what God sees when I wake up. Even though I'm, I'm in disarray, even though I'm a, I'm a mess, even though I look like a project, God looks at me and says, I created you in my image. I created you just the way I wanted you to be. I created you to be the me that you want to be. You just don't know what want is yet. And when you get a hold of who God is and that he's always around you and you get a glimpse of his presence in your life and you get a glimpse of what he wants you really to be, the more you want it, the more you seek after it, the more you want to be it. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, when our life is God-shaped, every part of our life is made to flourish. See, God's best version of you isn't just this dull, boring, going to church, sitting still. The problem with Christianity today is we think God wants us to be dull. We think God wants us to be boring. We, we think we have to be contained to a box. That's not what God created you to be. He created you to, to redeem every quality that you've got and make it the best. You say, well, I'm a loud mouth, and I say stuff I shouldn't say. Congratulations. God redeemed me. He took my loud mouth and put what he wanted to say upon my lips instead of what I wanted to say. God came to redeem every quality of you that you think is bad. I used to drive my parents crazy asking them questions. I'd ask them all kinds. And I had a neighbor who worked on cars, so I was over there. Larry, what you do about that? Larry, what, how, how you fix that? Larry, what's that? How you paint a car, Larry? How you do this, Larry? Larry wanted to kill me. But he took that inquisitiveness that I had, the, 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 the nature that I had to want to learn, and, and he put me in his word. And, and he, put me, he put me at his altar. And, and he took the hunger that I had for, for things of the world, and he turned it around, and he redeemed it for the hunger after the things of God. God didn't create us to be dull. He didn't. He didn't create us to be boring. He's a redeemer. He's a restorer. He doesn't want to exchange you for somebody else. He wants to redeem you. He created you just the way you are. Well, you don't know, Pastor. I'm schizophrenic. Me, myself, and I, we're crazy. God can use you just like you are. God created you. He can redeem you. He can restore you. He can move you past the things that the world has said is wrong with you. With God, you don't become less. You become more of you. Let's look at Peter. 
exciting Christian, walked on water with Jesus, did everything Jesus asked him to do. Next thing we look around, Peter's fighting in the temple. Peter's acting crazy. And then the next thing we turn around, Peter's preaching to thousands. Then we can take Paul. Paul was the most passionate guy you meet. That's why he wrote over half the New Testament. But he didn't start out like that. Paul was the most passionate guy in the world about killing Christians. In fact, after his conversion, Peter did not even trust him. Because he thought he was just in it to try to kind of squirm his way into the deal to actually kill him. And to get to him. Paul was all about killing and persecuting Christians. He, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was a friend to the Pharisee, a friend to the Sadducee. He, he, was, he was a man's man. But one moment with Jesus turned it all around. He redeemed him. He took all those qualities that were passionate about killing Christians, and he became the most passionate guy we see in the whole New Testament. Seeing people saved, seeing people set free. God redeemed those qualities. He took that passion that only Paul could have, and he turned it around for the kingdom of God. That's what he wants to do for us. God took what was already in these men, and he redeemed it. It's like me and my kids. I want the very best for my kids. There's nobody in this place that doesn't want the best for your children. I truly believe that. We deep down in our hearts, we want the best for our kids. There's times I want to murder them. I can't believe you did that, boy. But I want the best for them. I don't want them to have to fight the same battles I fought. I want them to all have their college paid for. I don't want them to have to work three jobs to work their way through school. I don't, I don't want them to have to do that. I want to be able to help them with that. I don't want them to have to go borrow money from the bank to build a house. I pray I got my finances in order enough, I can loan them the money or give just give it to them. I want the best for my kids. I coach them. I father them. I give them a few whippings in between. But it, it's always to get them to where I think is their father they need to be. Everything in their life that I do is to get my kids to where I think they need to be. I want them to be the me that they want to be. I want them to conquer every fear that I've ever had. I want them to do everything that I ever said that I couldn't do. I want them to do it. I want all my failures to become successes in their lives because I love them. How many of y'all think that God is the ultimate father? He wants every failure in your life to be turned back around and become a success. Every failure. That's why he puts scriptures in the Bible like everything the enemy has stolen, he'll have to return. And he's going to return it a hundredfold. I'm telling you, God will redeem you. God will take you places you never thought you could go. Because he loves you. In fact, John 10.10 says this, The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. But, Jesus said, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Life more abundantly. A full life. That's what his plan is for us. Jesus wants to give us a satisfying life. The reality is, 
isn't just the devil's trying to hold me back. That's not the reality. The reality is there's, there's counterfeit me's that are, that, that are operating in my life. I got, I got me's that, that, that I don't want anybody to know about. I, I got me's that, that I don't want anybody to know about. They're, they're kind of hidden, kind of like today. I, I, I got them hidden here, what this me really is. And, and, and we try to hide, from, we try to be a counterfeit. We don't want, want people to see the real me. The, the devil doesn't want the people to see who your real me is, the me that God created you to be. He, does, he, doesn't, he doesn't want people to really know that. He doesn't want you to come into fruition. He doesn't want you to achieve the goals that God has set for your life. He doesn't want you to be that masterpiece because that masterpiece has him under its feet. That masterpiece has six tons pressed down right upon his head. That masterpiece knows who they are in Christ Jesus and walks with a little bit of arrogance because they know who their king is. That masterpiece walks a little bit different than everybody else. Masterpiece kind of like Ric Flair. Y'all remember, anybody ever remember Ric Flair? They got a little swag in their walk because they know, they know who they are. And every once in a while, they, they feel the presence of God, and they say, Woo! That's my childhood coming out right there. See, he redeemed even my moments of watching wrestling as a kid. God redeems everything. Jesus wants us to have a rich, satisfying life. Not boring, not dull. He wants to take you just as you are. He redeems us and he uses every quality we have. Well, you don't know, Pastor. I do know. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. The problem is we don't just drift into the me we want to be. We don't just stumble into that person. We don't just become that person. It, it does take a, a little bit of work. In fact, in order to be the me you want to be, you have to come to grips with the counterfeits who are trying to elbow their way in and take place in your life. And you have to, you have to take on those rivals that you face in your life. And I, I want to talk about five rival me's that, that I don't want to be. First of all, Kobe, come help me real quick. I did have you for a reason. Come over. Unplug that first one. There you go. Just let it fall. That's good. There's, there's the, the me we pretend to be. Anybody a pretender? Don't lie to me now. We all pretenders. There's the me we, we pretend to be. God designed you to be you, not somebody else. Well, if I was just Tom Cruise... Or if I was Vanilla Ice back in the day, Ice Ice Baby. He was popular when I was about 14. I remember rolling down the, down, well, I might have been 16 because I was in the car. Rolling down the street, Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> I'm showing my age now. It was a cool song for two weeks. It was kind of like that song, Mickey, hey, Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Hey, Mickey, it, it was a great sensation for a week and a half, two weeks. But in, in that period of two weeks, though, everybody had their hair standing straight up. Everybody was trying to be vanilla ice. 
while my DJ revolves it. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everybody wanted to be Vanilla Ice. We, we were pretending to be somebody that we weren't created to be. We were pretending to be someone other than who we are. Some of y'all would have to buy a wig to get that haircut today. <laughs> Ed. Um, now, he could pretend to be one of those little baby eagles with the, the fuzz on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, when, when your life is over, God's not going to ask you, why weren't you Moses? Or why... Why weren't you David? Or why weren't you Saul who turned to Paul? Or why weren't you Peter? Or why weren't you Timothy? Or why weren't you this? Or why weren't you that? He's going to ask you, why weren't you the you I created you to be? Why did you always try to be someone else other than, other than what I created you to be? God made you specific to do a work in your life. He made you so specific to touch only people that you can touch. There's people in this life that only a Janda or only a Sharon or, or only a Faye can, can touch or only a Jerry or a Bobby can touch. There's, there's people in this world that I can't touch. There's people that only you can touch. And God created you to touch them and to be shade in their life and, and to cover them and, and to help them and to feed them. But we miss that when we run around trying to be a pretender. We, tr we try to be the, the pretend me instead of the me I should be. There's a freedom and an energy when you quit pretending. I'm just going to tell you. I can try to preach like with some of these other guys. I'm get ready, get ready, get ready. I can do my TD Jakes, you know. I, I can jump around the stage and get ready, get ready, get ready. It's coming. But I'll never be TD Jakes. That's not what God called me to be. That's not who God. There can only be one TD Jakes. There can only be one of him. I'd be Rod Parsley running around like I'm on speed all day long, you know. That dude's fast. I'm just going to tell you, watch him go across the stage. I'll never be that guy. I'm not Stephen Furtick. Y'all wish I was, I know. But <laughs> I'm just being funny. But, but I, you know, I can only be the me that God called me to be. It's miserable trying to pretend to be somebody else. It'll cause you grief and heartache in your life. Genuine brokenness pleases God more than pretend spirituality. Just saying, God, I'm broken. I'm here. Shape me, mold me. I, I, then there's the me that I think I should be. That's the next one. Take it off. <clears throat> the me I think I should be. Well, maybe I, I should be this person or, or that person. Maybe I should pray more. Maybe I need to read my Bible more. We all need to do that stuff. Maybe I... Maybe I you know, comparison kills spiritual growth. I just want to tell you that. If you're trying to be somebody else, it'll kill your spiritual growth. Uh, I got a precious old lady in my life, Randon's grandma. Her name's Sister Marshall. I've known her since I was 12 years old. The, the lady literally prays 60 hours a week. And, and at, at almost 90 years old, she's still on her knees praying for that amount of time. 
she can walk she walked into the local dodge dealership one time one of the ladies who was part owner asked her to come pray over the dealership because it wasn't doing good they just bought it and it wasn't doing good she walked in there prayed over it and uh now it's the number one dealership in the whole area and uh I promise you it's because she prayed over that dealership. She laid her hands on that dealership, and she walked in and started prophesying over people in that dealership. She looked at one of the salesmen and said, uh, in about two hours, somebody's going to walk in and buy more vehicles from you at one time than you've sold all month or you've sold in your life. And two hours later, a guy walked in, wanted to buy a fleet of vehicles, bought a fleet of vehicles right from that very guy. And, and the, the owner of that Dodge dealership goes to our church in Nederland today and is an active member because of a lady who prays 60 hours a week and loves God with all of her heart. And, and she makes an impact in people's life. And, and I said, well, maybe I, I should pray 60 hours a week. Maybe I have to do this. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Maybe you should just be the me God created you to be. There, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to pray 60 hours a week. I have too much other stuff on my plate. I pray all I can, and I got to do what I can do. I, I just I don't have the time she has. I'm counseling people, loving people. God didn't create me to do that 60 hours a week. Uh, but, but she does it, and, and I love her for it. And that's the me that God created her to be. The best me is the genuine me that God planned me to be. That, that's, that's who we should thrive to be, the genuine me. And, and then next, go ahead, Toby. There's, this is my favorite one. This is the me others want me to be. The me others want me to be. You ever had somebody that wanted you to be something you're not? The me other people want me to be? They want you to be fancier than you really are. They want you to be something you're not. And they're telling you, what? 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 That's why I took my jacket off. That's not me. <laughs> hey, last night, I, I'm, not li- I'm not lying. I was, at, uh, I was in my, my, one of my nicest suit coats, and I was in my nice, nice shirt with cufflinks on and had my shoes polished up, and I'm standing there looking like a million dollars, and this young guy, about 23, 24, I guess, uh, walked up to me, and we're at Brazos Springs for a wedding, and we're in this old antique-looking mansion, but it's brand new, you know, and this kid walks up and says, are you the owner? And I said, uh, no, uh, but what, what made you think that? He said, you just look like somebody would own a place like this. I said, well, thank you very much. I said, I'll, I'll receive that compliment. Then I walked around, I thought about it. He said, oh, you're the old fat rich guy. <laughs> but I, he just don't know what I make a year. <laughs> that coat took a week's salary. <laughs> and my mama bought it. Well, there's the me other people want you, be, want you to be. The health club wants you to be a certain version of you. Uh, you know, the government wants you to be a certain version of you. Capital One wants you to be a certain version of you and use their credit cards more often. The boss wants you to be more productive. Has your boss ever told you, I just wish you'd do less? He ever told you that? No, because there, there's the me others want you to be. And they want you to be everything to everybody, and they want you to move 100 miles an hour. And then there's the dentist 
that wants you to be something you're not. I want you to floss three times a day. Look, I'm going to floss once and be happy with that. I'm going to brush my twi- t- teeth twice or I'm going to brush my teeth twice or three times a day. What did I say? <laughs> I don't know what I said. Anyway, we're moving on. And, and then there's the restaurant. The restaurant wants you to be a certain way, eat more food. Can we bleep that off the recording? I don't know what I said, but it must have been good. I told y'all y'all were in trouble today. I don't know what y'all wanted. But but it seems it seems everyone has an agenda for you. Uh, we're moving off of that one. Bring this one up here, Kobe. Lord help us all. And then there's the me. There, there's the me you're afraid God wants you to be. And this this is a serious me. The, the me the me you're afraid God wants you to be. Barna says this, number one challenge to helping people grow spiritual spiritually is that most people equate spiritual maturity with trying hard to follow the rules in the Bible. They they equate quit their spirituality to rules. That it's only by works that you're going to make it to heaven. It's only if you do this you're going to make it to heaven. Uh, you can never watch this. You can never do that. The only way that you're going to truly please God is to live by a certain set of rules. And so people, people get so caught up in this one right here, the me they're afraid to be. They're afraid God wants them to be. They get so caught up in this, they quit going to church altogether because they, they say, I can't succeed. There's no way I can ever live up to that set of rules. There, there's, no way, there's no way I can ever make those rules work in my life because I'm just not that perfect. And I just, I just can't do it. If you think God's aim is to produce rule followers, spiritual growth will always be an obligation rather than a desire of your heart. In fact, Galatians 3.12 says this, Rule keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith but only perpetuates itself in more and more rule-keeping. A fact observed in Scripture. The one who does these things, rule-keeping, continues to live by them. Rule-keeping doesn't make you more spiritual or a better Christian. Okay? For example, let's look to the Word of God for this. Who were the biggest rule-keepers in the Bible? The Pharisees. Biggest rule-keepers. In fact, Jesus couldn't even exist with the Pharisees because uh, of, no, you didn't look like this. You didn't come like this. It wasn't what we expected. And so because it didn't fit into our certain term of rules, we were not going to accept you for who you really are. And that's what happens in our lives. We decide we're rule keepers, and we wouldn't know Jesus if we really saw him. And we never accept him for who he really is. We never accept him in our life because we think he just came to judge us. And that's not what he came to do. Jesus came to set you free. He came to redeem you. He came to make you the me you want to be. He came for you to be successful in your life. And just because you mess up doesn't make you any less of you. It doesn't make you any less of who he created you to be. The deal is the devil tells us because we can't follow the rules, we'll never amount to anything. 
and we believe him. And because we believe him, we never amount to anything. He didn't create us to sit here and wallow in pity all the days of our lives. He said, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He said, everyone who accepts me will be saved. He said, admit you're a sinner. He didn't say, he didn't say, he said, go and, and try not to sin no more. Yes, he did. But, but at the same time, you mess up. Jesus, I sinned. I'm sorry. He loves you. He doesn't even remember it tomorrow. The only one that brings it back up in your life continually is the enemy. But, but the deal is we get so caught up and in, in, in afraid of the me that God wants us to be, we can never become the God wants us to be. Because we have a false realization of who he is. He's not standing there with a thunderbolt wanting to zap you. That's not his role. His role was he sent a loving Savior just for you. Jesus didn't say, I have come that you might follow the rules. He said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus is looking for a relationship with the real you. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will cast out demons. And we will say, we cast out demons and we prophesied and we did mighty works. And Jesus will say to those people, depart from me. I never knew you. Well, I did work so, Father. I cast out demons. I did this in your name, Jesus. And Jesus said, I will tell them, depart from me. I never knew them. Because they were like Pharisees. They were worried about the rules. They were worried about everything else. But they never worried about the relationship with Jesus. It's not about the rules. It's about relationship. It's about surrendering. It's about putting him first in our lives and saying, you're not here to smite me. You're not here to smote me. You're here to save me and to love me. And then last but not least, there's the me that fails to be. And so what's this about, the me that fails to be? What's the me that just is so caught up in everything that's going on around you, you just cease to exist. The weariness of your soul gives you an inability to delight in life. You're just here. There's, a, there's an absence of mental and emotional vitality in your life. You say, well, my marriage failed. And because of that, I'm a, I'm a failure. Or you just don't understand everything that is in my life is just failing right now. Everything is going wrong. And, and so you just totally give up. And you've just become this empty shell that just says, I don't want to try no more. That's the me that commits suicide. That's the me that's on antidepression drugs. That's the me that fails to be. Because I've let life batter me so much 
because I didn't know how to get in the presence of God. I didn't know how to find joy. I didn't know how to tap into tap in and, 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 and ask for forgiveness. I didn't know how to forgive the enemy that was in my life. We have soldiers all across America that are still fighting wars in their heads. And it's not their fault. They, they've seen things I never want to see. But, but they fight. And, and, and they get so tired of, of, of the fight that they, they fail to be. They just kind of give up and they, they sit there where they're at. And we, as, we as Christians do the same thing. Well, you know, I, I went to church at one time, but everything went wrong in my life. And instead of turning to God, we, we turn to blaming God. And we become the me that just fails to be. And we don't go to church no more. And we don't seek Him no more because we've given up because of the fast, past failures in our life. Look, we all have a history. We all have a past. The question is, how loudly do you let your past speak to you? How loudly do you let your past speak into your life? See, the deal is we all have things speaking into our lives. We all have things speaking into the me we should be. We, we, we all have those things speaking into our lives and saying, you need to pretend to be this person or you should be this person or you need to be the me that others think you should be or, or you don't need to be the me because God, God just wants to pin you down to this and that. And, 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 and so, so we get to this last me right here, which is the devil's ultimate me for you, where you just fail to be. You're not anything God created you to be because you just don't want to fight no more. You don't want to live no more. But God still loves you. He's still chiseling on you through it all. He's still polishing on you, though you can't see it. He's just waiting for you to surrender and be aware that His presence is always around you. His presence is always with you. There's six versions of you. Five are counterfeits. And then there's the last one we get to. When we can... We can knock all these guys down in our life. And we can say, you have no place in my life because you're not what I was created to be. When we can do that, we can finally be the me I want to be. The Talmud says, every blade of grass has an angel bending over it, whispering, grow, grow. This is one of the oldest Jewish books in history. And it says, every blade of grass has an angel bending, just whispering, grow grow. But not only do you have angels in your life, you have God himself, the Holy Spirit saying, grow, grow. You have the Holy Spirit breathing into your life saying, you can do it. You're okay. It's going to be okay. See, because with God, there's a supernatural peace that passes all understanding. There's things that we can't even, we can't even fathom that God wants us to be. Until we put him first and we surrender. See, God's sitting there saying, I want you to live. I want you to flourish like that tree. I want you to, to thrive in everything that you do, every area of your life. But we have to start by speaking life to dead things. We have to cut out all these other voices. And we have to give life to the one thing that matters in our life. And that is Jesus. And we have to know him. Stand with me today and close your eyes.
Our prayer partners are coming as I speak. Father, I thank you right now for this day. I thank you, Father, there's people in this place that are at that place right now that they're the me that fails to be, Father. They just, they're through with life. I thank you that you restore hope to them right now as I speak. Just breathe into their life today, Father. Let them know that there's not an end in sight with the enemy, but there's an end in sight with you. And that end is total victory. I just sing of that old song today, Victory in Jesus. There's just total victory in Jesus. There's victory in one name in your life. And he's just waiting for your lips to say his name, to redeem you, to love you, to restore you, and to help you be that me. You just have to call on his name. As David begins to play today, if you need God to touch your life, this altar's open. If you need God to change some things in your life, he wants to do that for you. He's just waiting for you to say that name, Jesus. No other name but the name of Jesus. The sweetest name I know. There's victory in that name. There's life in that name. There's the me you want to be in the name of Jesus. You just have to call on him today. If you need prayer today, our altars are open. If not, I'm going to bless you as you go. Father, let your face shine down upon them. Let every step that they take this week be guided by you. As they walk into this world, Father, and they observe all these other me's walking around the streets, Father, let them encourage people. Let them speak life into people today, Father, to be the me you want to be. Let people come in our past this week, Father, that need you. We want to we want, to, we want to share you everywhere that we go. I thank you that you're a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Father, what you want to do in a church, do it in this church. What you want to do in a city, do it in this city, Father. Mold us and shape us into the me that you want us to be. In your name we pray.